COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. Our goal is to protect the lives and livelihoods of Australians. We have breaking news on a corona scare. The panic buying. Self-isolating on a statewide level. Stop it. It's Tuesday, 31st of March. Welcome to Coronavirus Watch. Natalie Bongiolo and Ben O'Shea breaking down today's COVID-19 developments and what it means for you and your family. So Ben, if we maybe start by kicking off with the statistics and really some very encouraging numbers for West Australians today. Massively encouraging that. Only nine new cases today. And as Health Minister Roger Cook said, to be in single digits at this point in the game, looking at what's happening elsewhere around the world, is really incredible. Uh, Four males, five females, aged between 7 and 77, uh, were diagnosed with COVID-19. 54 patients hospitalised as it currently stands, 12 in the ICU. And of those 12, seven have come from the Artania cruise ship, which brings our total cases in WA to three. 364 uh, and of course two people have died. Yeah and it is really interesting um, there is this graph that shows the difference between New South Wales and Victoria and Queensland and WA and our line looks quite flat whereas obviously the other states you've got this really huge jump. So what are the stats looking like in the other states? Yeah, in the other states, New South Wales in particular, I think, uh, are really, really struggling. And looking nationally, uh, there were 312 new cases across the country today, uh, bringing the total case number to 4,557 with 19 deaths. Uh, New South Wales has the bulk of those and the curve in New South Wales looks really quite grim at the moment. Uh, So we're doing great here in WA, helped out by our geographic isolation and the tough measures that the Premier has been taking. Yeah, and there was some news this afternoon um, out of South Australia that um, confirmed by Qantas that six baggage handlers in Adelaide have tested positive for coronavirus and they're now receiving treatment. So that was not great news to come out of South Australia. Yeah, you really worry about uh, people who are in those jobs where they got a lot of contact uh, with either baggage or people, uh, the service industry, airports, uh, restaurants and takeaway grocery stores. Uh, yeah, you just hope that uh, they're washing their hands and, and as much as they should be. But as you mentioned, we've had these really strict measures in Western Australia, which is why our line is looking much better than the rest of the country. So at 11.59 tonight, this is when these really strict regional boundaries um, will come into effect. And this is of the likes that we have never seen before in Western Australia. There has been nothing like this now. Uh, There'll be police setting up uh, border points. And if you want to get past those border points, you might need a letter from your employer saying that you're on work business uh, or uh, some sort of documentation to prove that you're visiting a family member or you live in a certain area or you need to travel to a certain area to get groceries and essential supplies. There will, of course, be exemptions for people who uh, have work to do and on compassionate grounds if you have to visit a sick family member uh, or also uh, veterinarian uh, grounds as well if you have a sick pet uh, caregiver and you need to get somewhere that'll also be taken into account but there's no permit that you can get so sometimes it'll be a matter of trying to convince a police officer that you are allowed to travel to a certain region Uh, and there'll be some discretion exercised by the police uh, but you certainly wouldn't want to be telling any fibs because if you get caught out uh, some serious fines you're talking about a $12,000 fine on the spot or uh, or you go to court for it or and a 12 months behind bars so they really are taking this very seriously.
Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. The Premier even suggested today that, you know, you should carry some kind of documentation, whether it be a letter from your employer to say that you're working in an essential service or something like an address of your of your elderly parents who you need to visit or, or whatever it may be. Um, because if you are caught flouting these laws, you will quite probably cop a fine. Yeah, it's very serious. And uh, people need to take this extremely seriously. The cops are told they're not just going to be waving people through. They will be stopping. They will be checking. And if your story doesn't check out, then you could cop a big fine. And we heard today that um, anyone who, you know, doesn't self-isolate for the 14 days that they've been ordered to will then later be wearing a monitor tracking device, which is what we'd see (laughs) on prisoners. Yeah, well, that's right. If you're on home detention, you get one of those little uh, those ankle uh, anklets that alert uh, the police when you move away from your house. And so people who can't be trusted to maintain this strict self-isolation for 14 days might find themselves wearing one of those anklets. Uh, and it'd be pretty shameful, I think, uh, to everybody you know if you got laboured with one. So I think the message there is to take it seriously, do the right thing, because it's everybody's safety that's important here. And I think by and large, as we've we've talked about, West Australians are doing the right thing, so much so that, you know, we're not catching public transport like we were. 80% reduction in the number of people getting on public transport. So the Minister, Rita Safiotti, had an announcement to make on that today as well. Yeah, the Transport Minister has announced that uh, as uh, as of now the, for Transperth trains, uh, the Monday to Friday timetable will switch. It'll become the uh, Saturday timetable. So greatly reduced number of trains on Sundays and public holidays. That timetable will remain as it is because uh, they're already greatly reduced. And the after midnight train service on Friday and Saturday nights will be removed completely. Uh, and there's also some changes to buses as well, Nat. Uh, Transperth uh, is going to be operating that Saturday time timetable Monday through Saturday. Uh, The Sunday and public holiday timetable will remain unchanged and cat buses in the city will also operate at a lower frequency. Even the ferries are going to change a little bit. Uh, They're moving on to their winter timetable from uh, Monday to Sundays going forward. So it's worth checking that out before you, um, you know, head off to the bus or the train or the ferry so that you don't get caught out. Massive announcement by Premier Mark McGowan today with this $1 billion economic and health package. This is a, a phenomenal amount of money and a phenomenal boost to people. I, I think it probably will make people feel a bit better about what's to come. Absolutely. $1 billion is a huge amount of money for a state government to commit to anything. Uh, And so the fact it's being committed to Western Australians, business owners, uh, people uh, who might be struggling at the moment, is really a massive gesture on behalf of the state government, coming, of course, on the back of the $130 billion from Scott Morrison yesterday. Uh, And the package is going to offer a lot of different things. So, for example, people who've lost their job will be be eligible for concession cards, uh, so access cheaper health health services and uh, uh, prescriptions and things like that. Uh, no household that that is unable to pay power and water utilities at the moment due to the COVID crisis, uh, they will have they won't have their services shut off. So McGowan has guaranteed that no uh, electricity and power services will be shut off for people who can't meet their bills uh, till at least September, uh, and there'll be no interest charged on unpaid bills uh, from tomorrow as well. Uh, and households can apply for uh, a delayed payment schedule and, and some relief there. Uh, Keystar 
start homeowners can defer payments uh, for up to six months, uh, which it will be a huge benefit to people who find themselves struggling to pay off those homes. Uh, and there's also a raft of uh, relief measures for small and medium businesses as well. Uh, so there are 95,000 businesses that will see electricity bill reductions uh, and businesses that consume less than 250 megawatt hours uh, can apply for one-off $2,500 assistance packages. Uh, payroll tax is going to be waived for four months uh, for 10,000 small and medium businesses. Uh, and you're going to see $100 million allocated to waiving license fees for small businesses over the next 12 months. So that's tradies who might need to reapply for licenses, tourism operators, uh, and liquor licenses uh, for hotel businesses uh, and hospitality businesses. They're going to see those fees waived just to help them keep their heads above water, which I think is a fantastic thing. Uh, the charities haven't missed out. Uh, they're going to get a $2,500 power credit uh, to help them meet their obligations. Uh, and then there's also going to be a bunch of money going to the health services, which, as we know, are so critical at the moment. Yeah. And I just think for most people sitting at home, this would have come as such an enormous relief today because the reality is people are losing their jobs. And to sit and think, I don't want my power to be cut off and and what will happen with my water bill because this is our greatest you know um, concern each day is how we pay our bills how we pay our mortgages so I just think this will be of such a huge relief to people today um, and, and I guess you know Ben Wyatt has done our treasurer a very very good job over the past few years in bringing down our state debt and as a result of that hard work and those hard yards now we're in this position where they're able to offer this relief to everyday people yeah, well, politicians always try and take take credit for everything. But in this case, I think credit where credit is due. They have been putting in the hard yards as a state government over the last few years after the previous state government racked up a bit of a bill and the books were uh, in the red to some degree. Now they're back in the black and it has built that buffer that has enabled them now to be a little bit more generous in a time of need to be able to support those Western Australians who need it most, uh, which is really why you try and get your budgets back into surplus, back into the, bla the black. You're not supposed to save money as a government. You have to give it back to the community. And that's what we're seeing here. Uh, and it's fantastic. In what unprecedented times, the probably the toughest time that Australia has seen outside of a world war. Yeah, um, I, I guess the difficult times will still be to come down the track when we have to recover from this mm. massive injection into the economy. And, and I think that next budget is back in October yeah. yeah, they push that push that back uh, when I'm sure they'll be thinking there's a little bit more clarity about what the, the fiscal situation will be in Western Australia by then. Well, moving on to health and uh, the cruise ships, the Vasco da Gama, that's gone. It's it's gone. That's it good. is fine. It's finally departed. The less cruise ships we see down in Frio, the better at the moment. I think everybody would agree. Uh, so the Vasco da Gama has gone, uh, with obviously left a lot of people uh, on Rotnest and staying at the Duxton. All of the Aussies, all the internationals have left. We've still got the Artania, which has been a bit of the problem ship, uh, but the Border Force has issued a directive for it to leave Australian waters, which is really quite a serious directive to come from uh, the nation's top customs organisation. Uh, they have to comply. They haven't as yet, but uh, Premier McGowan is hopeful that the Artania will also sail off into the sunset. Yeah, cruise ships, if you haven't got the message yet, you are not wanted. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> That's right. We're stopping the boats.
He's not only stopping the boats, the Premier has also urged those people who are locked into their 14-day isolations um, with a tab that's being picked up by the state government, mind you, don't moan about your accommodation, whether you be at the Duxton or the Metropole or the Promenade or the Pan Pacific or even at Rotnest, don't moan, be grateful, be quiet, finish your 14 days and get out and be safe. I think the people over in Rotnest aren't, aren't minding it at all. I think they're loving life at the moment. Uh, and just be thankful that, you know, if things don't stay on track and they get a little bit out of hand, we, they might be using the, the flag motor lodge in Rivervale, uh, which, will make, <laughs> which will make the Duxton look, <laughs> look like paradise on earth. Well, I think most of those places, um, people should be quite happy to be, to be um, self-isolating in, even if dinner is a tray of sandwiches. I've yeah, had worse yeah. dinner. Uh, so there was also some very big uh, national news today, and this was this landmark deal that was signed by the federal government, and this was to ensure that the private hospitals stay open throughout the pandemic so that tens of thousands of doctors and nurses can be redeployed from the private system into the public system. Um, and what that means for Western Australia, Roger Cook, our health minister, spoke about today, and we've just got a clip of that. We are essentially doing a virtual Wuhan, standing up a whole new hospital, which will enable us to significantly expand our services, uh, engaging, re-commissioning uh, literally hundreds of beds across our hospital system. As I said earlier, we are sailing into this storm, not out of it. But when the storm hits, we'll be ready for it. Yeah, it's a really important initiative here. This partnership between the public sector and the private sector opens up a vast amount of resources which are desperately needed right now. We're talking 30,000 extra hospital beds, 105,000 skilled uh, health workers who will be available alongside the public hospital sector. Uh, and these facilities will be required to, to make uh, infrastructure and essential equipment, including ventilators, supplies, that includes PPE stuff, uh, and the workforce available to state and territory hospital systems, uh, which is going to be massive going forwards. Uh, and it adds to uh, state government announcement of a further $15 million that they're pledging towards purchasing new clinical equipment. So you're talking beds, PPE, 300 ventilators, 200 um, humidifiers and 200 ICU beds, which we all hope are not necessary, but you have to prepare as if they will be needed. Yeah, this was a relief also to hear this today that, you know, the capacity would be greater should we need it. And as you said, fingers crossed, we don't get to that point. Moving overseas, um, some further announcements by the Trump administration. Yeah, you just don't know what's going to come out of Donald Trump from day to day. Uh, but the latest news from America is uh, Central Park in New York has been turned into a field hospital. Uh, they're reporting at least 66,497 total positive cases of COVID-19. In America, the total number of cases has tripled uh, in a week and the number of deaths has doubled. So they've got massive, massive problems over there. And to see New York turned into a field hospital is really an incredible thing. Uh, it's been built to take pressure off the overflowing hospitals in New York. It'll begin receiving patients on Wednesday and they expect by Wednesday night that field hospital will be completely full. It's absolutely terrifying figures and your heart goes out to the countries that are really struggling with this curve and, and unable to flatten it um, in any way. It's just terrifying numbers. 
And then you've got Trump's rhetoric, which is not always the most helpful, but he's certainly uh, having an impact on America's response to the virus. The FDA, uh, who approves uh, medicines in America, has approved a Trump administration plan to distribute millions of doses of anti-malarial drugs uh, to American hospitals. And this is despite a lack of proof that the drugs actually work against COVID-19. Uh, Trump, though, has said also today that the US is now testing 100,000 people a day and has tested uh, more than a million people so far, uh, both of which are records in the world. And he made he made sure that he mentioned that uh, America <laughs> is better than anybody else. Yeah, a bit of a worry with these untested things. Um, here in Australia, of course, we do have some amazing work being done by doctors and scientists in Australia, and they're looking at the TB vaccine and how that can potentially work as a bit of a barrier, not to stop the disease, but to stop the severity of the um, the symptoms. And they're going to trial that on 4,000 frontline workers just to see how that helps them. So that looks like it could you know, be an amazing breakthrough, depending on how the results of that trial come through. Well, they're really looking at some of these existing drugs because they've already gone through the, the human trials. Uh, we know that they're safe, we know what their side effects are, and we know what they do to the body. So if there is any situations where these type of drugs, whether it's a TB drug, the anti-malarial one is a bit up in the air at the moment, but if you can find something that seems to give a positive result or can ease the symptoms, then people are pursuing that very hard at the moment. Uh, and if it gives protection to frontline health workers, uh, who are really the people who need it the most at the moment, they're the ones who have been uh, hit hardest uh, on the front lines of this virus epidemic, uh, then yeah, you got to you got to pursue that. Yeah, and and finally, some good news for poor Italy, where where some of my um, you know family members <laughs> come from. Finally, a flattening of the curve in Italy. Yeah, well, Italy has been a really sad case up until this point. We've seen uh, just vast amounts uh, of death uh, and the terrible cost of the virus has had in Italy. But it looks like the curve is flattening slightly. Uh, authorities over there have reported that they've had the lowest daily rise in infection since officials began tracking cases after the country's first reported death on February 21. Uh, they still had 756 new deaths on Sunday, which is a staggering amount. Uh, but the Lowest daily the lowest daily case rise uh, took the country from 92,472 to 97,689, which represents an increase of 5,217 people. Still sounds like a lot to us, but for Italy, that constitutes good news. Yeah, devastating. Uh, well, let's fingers crossed that 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 stays low and and doesn't climb any higher. Well, uh, just before we leave you, uh, there was a, a press conference. With with Scott Morrison and uh, his interaction <laughs> with a journalist, which has gone viral. <laughs> yeah, an, interac an interaction with a former journalist of the West Australian, Andrew Probin, great political reporter, who got told off, a little bit like Donald Trump tells off reporters, he got told off for asking too many questions. Uh, and a TikTok star, Jeff Van Der Zandt, uh, has put some music to it and turned it into a viral sensation. Have a listen. Andrew, I'm sorry, you've had several questions. Andrew, I'm sorry. Andrew, I know, but you don't run the press conference, okay? So I'm going to go to other questions of members of the, of, of the group. Catherine hasn't had a question. I'm happy to return to you, but let's just keep it civil. Andrew. <laughs> Good on you, Scott. <laughs>
<laughs> and it's, it's even funnier if you can see the visual. So so you'll see it all over social media at the moment. It, the video has escaped TikTok. It's over Instagram. It's over Facebook. Uh, it's worth a look. <laughs> sure is. Well, that's all from us for Tuesday, the 31st of March. We'll be back tomorrow with the latest information in Coronavirus Watch. And we hope you can join us then.